Last week we started this series now talking about this matter of uh, moving from victim to victor. Specifically last week we looked at the danger of being at the edge, of being at wit's end, as it's said there in the Bible, and we talked about what to do about that. You'd remember uh, from last week if you were here, and then I cried, Dear Jesus, come and heal my broken spirit. And somehow Jesus came and brought to me the victory. At the edge, it's vital that we do not forget to exercise our faith in the Lord. It's imperative that you and I remember that. Our difficulties, we have those. Our inabilities, we have those. Those do not negate the delightful ability of the Lord. Just trust Him. That, that we have to remind ourselves of that on a constant basis. But tonight we're going to move into part two of our study. We're going to consider the enemy that fights to fracture your faith when you find yourself at the edge. If you wanted to title the message tonight, that's it. Two words, the enemy. I want you to know the enemy's closer than you think. Because the enemy is right in the midst of what you think. We're going to see that this evening. Two different individuals I want us to look at. Both of these individuals found themselves at the edge found themselves uh, from time to time at wit's end, but for different reasons and with different results. So 1 Kings chapter 19, actually, if you would, since you're right there at 1 Kings 19 verse 1, just back up to verse 46 of 1 Kings chapter 18. 1 Kings chapter 18 and verse 46, And the hand of the Lord was on Elijah. Would we agree that's a good thing? Amen. Amen. That's what we want, right? We want to have the Lord's hand on us. And the hand of the Lord was on Elijah, and he girded up his loins and ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. Chapter 19, verse 1. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, and withal how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah. Can I just stop there for a moment? There have been some times where I have said in the past, and I know it's come out this way, where I've said that uh, Jezebel pointed her bony finger at Elijah. But would you see, she didn't even do that. Or so She sent a messenger. We'll talk about that more in a minute. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah saying, So let the gods do to me. Notice that little g and plural. So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, he arose and went for his life, and came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, came and sat down under a juniper tree, and he requested for himself that he might die, and said, It is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. Drop down to verse number 14, if you would. Verse number 14. And he said, this is Elijah, he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, 
Because the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And the Lord said unto him, Go, return on thy way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when thou comest, anoint Haziel to be king over Syria. And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, shalt thou anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abimelech, shall thou anoint to be prophet in thy room. That's the first person I want us to consider tonight is Elijah. So number one, by way of outline, i got three points for you tonight, about 400 sub-points, but three main points tonight. Point number one is this, the mistakes a victim chooses. The mistakes a victim chooses. Let me ask you a question. We all like to be safe and be happy, right? Well, who doesn't? We all do. There's something wrong with you if, if you don't. We like to be safe. We like to be happy. But one of the biggest enemies of happy victory is this push to develop a victim mentality so that you can claim victim status. It's nothing new, as we've just read. However, it seems that it's growing larger by the moment. Swallowing up our land, swallowing up our world into its pit of misery. Have you noticed? Everybody's a victim today. Nobody is responsible for anything, yet they're entitled to everything. Now, before there's a misunderstanding here, let me stop for a moment. I I don't think I necessarily have to, but I have to. Stop for a moment to remind us all that there certainly are people who have the status of victim because they truly have been victimized. Right? Many have had crimes, abuses, hurts, and the like sort unjustly committed against them. These aren't self-made victims. These are ones who truly have suffered. However, even those true victims get to choose their attitude and choose their response to the rotten actions that they endured. And we'll talk about that more in a moment. But let's look at some common characteristics a victim mindset, this wrongful victim mindset, might manifest. I want to show you some mistakes that Elijah made by choosing this victim mindset and the danger of choosing to walk down this road, verse 2 of First Kings 19, Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them. Here's mistake number one. Elijah forgot who was in control. Elijah forgot who was in control. Control. Elijah had just witnessed the mighty power of God. Elijah had just worked in the power of God. And now the threatening whispers of a pagan queen were enough to wipe him out. She did not send an army. She sent a telegram. 
her little g gods had already been proven insufficient. Elijah had a front row seat on the top of that mountain to watch all of those false god worshipers fail. Why? Because those false gods were fake. But the God of heaven moved mightily and now all of a sudden, just like that, it's gone out of Elijah's mind because the mistake he made was forgetting who was in control. He fell victim to her threat. Verse 3, And when he saw that, he arose, went for his life. So mistake number one, Elijah forgot who was in control. Mistake number two, Elijah faltered in confidence. You forget who's in control. What do you think's going to happen next? You're going to lose your confidence. It's easy to lose your confidence when hard times come. And as a result, you'll be more susceptible to choose flight than fight. You know, we all have that response built into us, fight or flight. It's a proven thing. There are things, and you know that there are things that are, you know, we could give a list tonight of things that would affect you, and what are you going to do? I ain't moving. Somebody's hitting the deck. I hope it's not me. But that fight response. I'm going to stand here and I'm going to fight. That's why I like hockey. Uh, Anyway. (laughs) I'm going to stand there and I'm going to fight. I'd rather them just skate and score. But anyway. But then there's this other thing. This flight. Now again, I'm not saying that it's a bad thing. But it is a bad thing when that's not what God tells you to do. See, you can read in your Bible where it says, you know, avoid this and flee that and walk away from this and, you know, mark this and avoid it. And and those types, there are times when we are supposed to walk away. There are times where we're supposed to run away, but there are times that we're supposed to stand and fight. We're supposed to contend earnestly for the faith. Now, it doesn't mean I'm going to go out and give somebody a bloody nose. It means that I'm going to stand for the truth. Now, again, full of grace and truth. It has to be that way. But when you forget who's in control, all of a sudden your confidence is going to be shaken. What are you going to do? Run. You're going to run. That's exactly what Elijah did here. But notice, Elijah chose to follow what he could see instead of continuing to walk by faith. And when he saw that, that's when he made his decision. When he saw that. You know, he stood on the top of that mountain and he saw all of those, excuse me, fools jumping around like fools. Uh, You know, just they were godless. They certainly were, well, they were false god-filled. They were full of nothing. And that's what resulted was nothing. It was just chaos. And he stood there and he watched this whole thing. He saw that. What did he do? He stood right there. He stood for the Lord. In fact, they soaked that altar with the most precious commodity that was in the land at the time. You remember, they had been in a drought for years. And Elijah's like, soak it. Where did they get the water? That, that always perplexed me. You know, where, where would they get this water? Who knows? But they got enough water and God certainly did rain down fire from heaven. God proved Himself. My goodness, that certainly built the confidence. Now Jezebel says, I'm going to kill you. 
And I'm going to do it within 24 hours. And when he saw that, he arose and went for his life. Chose to follow what he could see. He didn't walk by faith. He walked away in fear. Verse 3. It says, he left his servant there. Verse 4. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. Here comes mistake number 3. Well, first he forgot who was in control. Then he faltered in his confidence. Now, mistake number three, Elijah forsook his companions. A grave mistake of a victim mentality is self-isolation. I'm going to say that again. A grave mistake of this victim mentality is self-isolation. The Bible says that he left his servant. It does not say that his servant left him, and that's important because a self-proclaimed victim will walk away from others, and when they find themselves alone, then they'll cry that everyone else walked away from them. Yeah. You don't have to say amen to that right there, but the Bible will. Verse 4, he requested for himself that he might die and said, it is enough now, O Lord, take away My life, verse 14, I've been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts because the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left. You realize Elijah couldn't say he was there only unless he left his servant behind. That's huge. And they seek my life to take it away. Mistake number four, we see it from that, from verse 14 that we just read. Mistake number four is this. <clears throat> Once now that Elijah uh, has uh, uh, forgot who was in control and faltered in confidence, once he's forsaken his companions, now Elijah fuels his contention. He doesn't have anybody there to help him keep the flames down. And now he's all by himself, left alone with his own mind. And it just builds and builds from there. You say, what builds? This attitude within Elijah, unfair God. Everything and everyone is unfair, including you. Elijah's anger grew. Elijah's bitterness festered. Elijah's grasp on reality was affected. This is why it's a sad reality that people who are hurting often hurt others. Anger, bitterness, and a skewed view of reality. We could say that it's a defense mechanism. But Elijah really has no one to blame for his depression and despair but Elijah. He made himself out to be a victim and he lost all hope for victory as a result. You say, what was the result? Look at it, verse 15. And the Lord said unto him, go, return. Skip some words there. And Elijah, shalt thou anoint to be prophet in thy room. 
when Elijah walked away and hid in the cave. Did God use him after this point? Yeah, a little bit. But Elijah became a casualty of his own choices. This victim mentality. Again, I'm not talking about those that have been the the true recipients of evil doing. I mean, we live in a rough world. Everyone's going to get hurt at some point. And I'm not minimizing those that are true victims. What I'm talking about, it's this attitude now. Elijah chose this for himself. God didn't tell him to walk that way. God didn't, hey, Jezebel came and walked up to him or sent the messenger up to him and said, ha ha, I'm going to kill you. It's no worse than he had suffered before. It's just an idle threat from an angry person. There was no army that showed up. Telegram, Mr. Elijah, I have this message from our queen. Run, you're going to die. Wait a minute. Elijah met Ahab along the way prior to this and Ahab looks at Elijah and said art thou he that troubleth Israel what is he saying Ahab saying to Elijah Elijah this is all your fault and what did Elijah do he said nah it's you well he doesn't do that in this instance he doesn't do that in this case and these are the mistakes that he makes along the way that when we get there to verse 16 that God has now said that's it Somebody else is going to take over for what you're... He became a casualty of his own choices. This is why it's so very important that we have to understand that even though we cannot control or change the actions and behaviors of others. Let me say that again. We cannot control or change the actions and behavior of others. You can't. Stop trying to manipulate everybody else. You can't. We must learn to control our own reactions and our own responses. We have to. It's imperative. If we're going to move from being a victim to having victory, we're going to have to do that. And you say, well, preacher, you don't understand. I've really been a victim. I've really had evil committed against me. I have really suffered. My heart grieves for you. It certainly does. And as I said at the beginning, I love each and every one of you. But flip back to Genesis chapter 50 and let's look at what God has to say about that. Genesis chapter 50. So number one, we see the mistakes of victim commits there. Wait a minute, Genesis. Where did you say that was, Miss Jean? In the back. Okay, that's my problem. I'm here in the front. All right, Genesis chapter 50. Let me get to the right verse. The mistakes a victim chooses. Number two tonight is this. The misery a victor conquers. Now, we looked at Elijah, and I want you to keep Keep him in your in your mind there. But look with me, Genesis 50. Look at verse 15. Genesis chapter 50 and verse 15. And when Joseph's brethren saw that their father was dead, they said, 
Joseph will peradventure hate us and will certainly requite us all the evil which we did unto him. Was Joseph a victim? Yes. Indeed he was. Verse 16. And they sent a messenger unto Joseph. Wow, there's messengers running all over the place around here. And they sent a messenger unto Joseph, saying, Thy father did command before he died, saying, So shall ye say unto Joseph, Forgive, I pray thee now, the trespass of thy brethren and their sin, for they did unto thee evil. And now we pray thee, forgive the trespass of the servants of the God of thy father. And Joseph wept when they spake unto him. His brethren also went and fell down before his face, and they said, Behold, we be thy servants. And Joseph said unto them, Fear not, for am I in the place of God? But as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good, to bring to pass, as it is this day, to save much people alive. Now therefore fear ye not, I will nourish you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spake kindly unto them. And Joseph dwelt in Egypt, he and his father's house. And Joseph lived an hundred and ten years. There's a little bit of a difference between these two individuals. There's a little bit of a difference between what Elijah did in in that moment of his life versus now what Joseph has done all through his life. Now here's a truth for you tonight that you really have to grab a hold of. Just because, maybe you're here tonight and you're like, I've, I've truly been a victim. Th- th- hear this tonight. Just because you've been a victim does not mean that you've lost all hope and all chance for victory. Please hear that tonight. Because there's so many that once they've been victimized, truly now, that all of a sudden they think, that's it, my life's over, nothing will ever get better, nothing good can ever come out of this. And I'm here to tell you tonight, just because you've suffered that does not mean that you cannot still see victory. I want you to consider Joseph now. Now, I know we skipped to the end there, uh, of course, for sake of time. But let me, here's the cliff notes. He was despised by his brothers. He was thrown into a pit and sold into slavery. He was falsely accused by Potiphar's wife and then thrown into prison. He was forgotten in prison after helping fellow prisoners. Finally, he's released as he helps Pharaoh with a perplexing problem. That was perplexing to say. Now hear it tonight. At any point, Along the way, Joseph could have whined. He could have walked away. He could have wiped out. That's what the others expected. Verse 15, Joseph will peradventure hate us. They had already made up their mind that what they had done to Joseph was so bad that the only thing that Joseph would be able to do is act out in revenge, is act out in anger is act out in bitterness and wrath. But Joseph didn't get bitter. Joseph just kept getting better. He kept trusting God. He kept his temper. Wait, he kept his testimony. 
Verse 19, Joseph said unto them, Fear not, for am I in the place of God? All the while, God was at work to position Joseph in just the right place at just the right time for just the right reason. Verse 20, Ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good. Listen now. Your weakness, your circumstance, your bad situation could actually become your strength instead of becoming your defeat. The trials, remember when we were going through 1 Peter? You say, I thought we were going to go to 2 Peter. We are. you got to get this first. <laughs> That's what God said. He said, no, not 2 Peter yet. You have to think about this now. Those trials that we endure make us stronger for the trials that we are going to endure. God knows. God knows. There are things, I want you just to stop and think about this with me for a moment. There are things, if you've been, if you're here tonight, you've been saved a long time, you've been walking with the Lord a long time, there are things that have happened, we'll say recently. So as I look around tonight, that's within the last five, ten years. That's recent, right? When we got here eight and a half years ago, I was, a fellow told me I'd asked a question. I said, oh, we just had that done not too long ago. It's 12 years. <laughs> so I think five to ten years is a good estimate there. You think back five to ten years. You've gone through something. The Lord's allowed something to come in your life that you've had to endure. That if you had to endure that the day after you got saved, you would have wiped out. You say, well, how were you able to do it? Well, it was His strength that carried you through. But your faith had to grow that you'd trust God in the troubled times. I'm here to tell you tonight, friend, we all have that, mm, I don't want to use the word opportunity, but um, it can happen to all of us. Things can victimize us in this life. Some of you have endured those things and some of you have not and I hope you never have to. Hear that tonight. It's not just like, oh boy, well I hope everyone gets the evil done against me. No! It's our prayer that you don't. But if it's happened in your life, hear me. Don't wipe out. Keep walking with God. You say, well yeah, but I don't want to. You just said it's going to get worse. But the strength that God gives you in the trial that you're in will be enough to carry you through and more in that next one. God knows what He's doing. He knows what He's doing. You say, well, preacher, the Bible says that God will not put on us any more than we can bear. It does not say that, friend. I'm sorry to tell you tonight, it does not say that. It says that you won't be tempted above that you can bear. But this matter of putting more on you, yeah, there are times you're going to be overwhelmed. David used that word. What did he say? When I am overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. What's that mean? That the floodwaters went over David's head. It was more than he could bear on his own. What made the difference? God made the difference. 
But it's going to be the attitude that you have that's going to allow God to make that difference. Verse 21. Look now, I just said your weakness, your circumstance, your bad situation could actually work to become your strength instead of being your defeat. Verse 21. Now therefore, fear ye not. Look at what Joseph says. The one who was despised, the one who was sold into slavery, the one who was thrown into prison, the one who was forgotten and abandoned. Fear not, I will nourish you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spake kindly unto them. I want you to see the difference here in this after effect compared to what happened to Elijah. I just think about that for a minute. Where Elijah was at the end versus where Joseph is. But you're going to have to make the right choices and you're going to have to avoid the mistakes that we saw in Elijah. See, Joseph did not want to be a victim. He was driven to the edge. But a victor conquers misery through faith. Elijah didn't want to be a victor. He led himself to the edge and a victim continues in mistaken fear. You say, okay, preacher, how does that apply to us and what can we do? Buckle your seatbelt. Number three, the making of a violent clash. The making of a violent clash. We just said that within all of us, is that fight-or-flight response. Well, similarly, you're here and saved tonight. You've got a fight-or-flight within you spiritually. And there is a constant competition between your spirit and your flesh. And they fight more than you see in angry guys' hockey games. You have to understand tonight that there is a real war that wages within you constantly. Hear that. See, you say, well, he's a preacher going to talk about the enemy tonight. I wonder who it is. Look in the mirror. When it comes to this matter, we are our own worst enemy. Why? Because it's our flesh that fights against our spirit. You say, really? Really? The Apostle Paul says in Galatians chapter number 5, Walk in the Spirit, capital S Spirit, walk with the Holy Spirit of God, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Well, wait a minute. If you're fulfilling the lust of the flesh, then by simple logical deduction, that must mean you're not walking in the Spirit. Because it says if you're walking in the Spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. So there's a pretty uh, clear dividing line there. And it says, For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary the one to the other. You ever argue with yourself? Well, <laughs> you ever argue with yourself? Yes, just go ahead and nod your head like this. 
argue with yourself, why did I think that? Why, why did I say that? Why, why did I do that? Why didn't I say that? Why didn't I do that? Why didn't I act like that? Because of the battle between the flesh and the spirit. What's going to make the difference in your heart and in mine? What's going to make the difference in your life and in mine in this matter of are you going to be a victim? Are you going to be a victor? It's going to be which direction are you walking? Are you walking in the Spirit or are you going to walk in the flesh? What Elijah did was he turned and walked in the flesh. He walked by what he saw. He walked by what he felt. He walked by mm, all of the things that were tangible that he could put in and his own thoughts that messed him up too. Joseph just kept trusting God and just kept trusting God and just kept trusting God. I'm here to tell you tonight, if my family had thrown me in a hole and sold me off to some pirates that came by and I found myself into slavery, and then as I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing and you know, being a good boy and, and all of those things and being a hard worker, and then this one over here makes up something about me that isn't even close to being true. And as a result, I get thrown into prison about. I think somewhere along the way, there's going to be a seed of bitterness that's going to rise up within me. There's going to be a little anger that's going to rise up within me. You say, how could you know that? Because so much less happens to me and those things happen. Somebody ate the donut I wanted. Well, it's just like throwing me in that pit and selling me off into slavery. I'm a victim. Notice, Joseph guarded his mind and his heart. And he walked by faith. Elijah, now, now again, I, I'm not saying that everything Elijah did was bad. So don't get that idea tonight. But Elijah made a mistake. He made a big mistake and it ended up costing him dearly. We see what happens as a result of walking down that road. Galatians 5.25 says, If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. On one side, you have the flesh that's led by what you see and what you feel. On the other side, your spirit that's led by secure faith. The question is, which one are you being led by? And it's important because the flesh, hear this, your flesh, my flesh, and we don't like to hear this, but it's the truth. Our flesh loves to remain a victim. I'm going to show it to you here in just a moment. While our spirit looks to rise to victory. So first, understand there is a real war that wages within you. But second, there's a vast difference. This goes back to what we said at the beginning. There is a vast difference in actually being a victim versus choosing to adopt a victim mentality. There is a great temptation to go after the victim mindset because it gives us what we see and feel is a legitimate excuse to satisfy our flesh. We justify ourselves 
following after this. See, this is where Elijah messed up while Joseph maintained his integrity. So I'm going to give you two short lists here. There's four points in each, four statements in each one. Yeah, you just, yo, you hear me, Sue? I'm a victim. I can't write that fast. (laughs) Rise above, rise above. (laughs) Spirit's willing, flesh is weak. That's what she's saying. Oh, my. Well, let's see. It's a good thing I wrote this down. There's a vast, it's my fault. Oh, boy. Save, please, please, save that nugget right there. You're going to hear it in just a moment. Wow, that couldn't have worked out any better. Okay, here it comes. There's a vast difference in actually being a victim versus choosing to adopt a victim mentality. <laughs> to adopt. Why don't I just give you my notes at the end of service? You just have them. Well, <laughs> adopt a victim mentality. Y'all smile. You know it's funny. No, you're fine. You're fine. There's a great temptation again. There's a great temptation for us to chase that victim mindset because what we feel is that mm, we're excused. We're justified now in chasing to satisfy our flesh. That's how Elijah messed up. That's what Joseph avoided even though Joseph really was a victim. He was a victim. I mean, my goodness, you cannot look at his life. I mean, if he lived today, he'd be on Maury Povich and Oprah Winfrey and all of them shows, Dr. Phil. (laughs) Dr. Full of Baloney. Um, (laughs) That one was free. But Joseph, he was, he was a victim. He really was. So here, here's the two categories. Some crushing attributes to avoid. Miss Sue, I got it right here. I'll just give you the paper at the end. Some, some crushing attitudes. Hear it. Some crushing attitudes to avoid. Attitudes to avoid. And some conquering attributes to adopt. It's just two, two categories here. So here's the ones to avoid. Avoid these terrible attributes. Number one is this. A desire to blame all of our failures on others. She just said it was my fault. <laughs> there we go. See, this is backtracking there. A desire to blame all of our failures on others. You might as well just admit it. Everything that goes wrong in your life isn't always somebody else's fault. Number two is this. A desire to satisfy the flesh and be selfish. I'll just say this. Burger King is the restaurant down the road 
But this is not a have it your way all the time life. You cannot always have it your way. So there's a desire to blame our failures, all of our failures on others. Never my fault. It's always somebody else's fault. A desire to satisfy the flesh and be selfish. It's somebody else's fault, but I want it my way. Number three, a desire to obtain constant sympathy. Hear me tonight. This is probably one of the biggest telltale signs is this desire to obtain constant sympathy. Watch this. How many of you, some point in your life, have been hurt and it wasn't your fault? Just put your hand up. If you're here tonight and breathing, you can put your hand up. Been hurt by somebody other than yourself. We all suffer this matter of hurt. But if you're one who always has to be receiving the sympathy, you fail to realize that other people need help and comfort too. See, it can't always be about you. You aren't the only one who hurts. In fact, it amazes me, and I have seen this through my life. There have been people who I've been privy to, some of the things that they're going through in their life, some of the hurts that they have that nobody else knows about. And yet everybody's dumping on them. And there's no one there to come alongside and to lift them up. Why? Because of this desire to seek constant Sympathy. Now, now notice, I said constant. We all need each other's encouragement. We all need each other's help. We all need each other's sympathy. We ought to weep when others weep and laugh when others laugh, as, as the Bible tells us. When you start going down this road, let me warn you, there's something that's way more addictive than fentanyl in our day. It's self-pity. It's self-pity. You start to wallow, and boy, you don't want to come out of the mud. Boy, it feels good in the mud. In fact, it feels so good in the mud, you're trying to get everybody to come wallow with you. Watch out. Watch out, Brother Cusick's got the t-shirt on tonight. Not for doing that, but for knowing about that. I had to clarify. I almost gave a false report about a, about a brother there. Number four. Now all of these, they, they all work together. Desire to blame our failures on others. Desire to satisfy the flesh and be selfish. Desire to obtain constant sympathy. Here's the fourth one. A desire to hang on to anger and bitterness. You have no idea the shackles that the Holy Spirit puts on my tongue when it comes to this matter of anger and bitterness. I have watched people for years drink that same poison day in, day out, day in, day out. And we've looked in the Word of God and it says, run to God and let it go. And they won't. 
And they won't. And they won't. And they blame you. And they blame others. And they blame God. And they stay bitter. Because they keep drinking that stinking poison. There is a desire to hang on to anger and bitterness. Let me tell you right now. You, friend, are not walking with God as close as you think you're walking with God if you'll readily admit that you have bitterness in your heart toward another. Turn around and shut up before I get myself in trouble. It breaks my heart to see. Because all you're doing is crippling yourself. Not helping yourself at all. All because you want to stay bitter. I'd like to kick you in the backside. Notice I turned away when I said that because if I happened to make eye contact with somebody, you would have took that personal. <laughs> I told you at the beginning, I love you, but this matter of bitterness, I, I can't stand it. And I have watched it destroy people. I've watched it destroy ministries. I've watched it destroy churches. I've watched it destroy families. Anger and bitterness. Everything's somebody else's fault. I gotta have everything my way. I expect everybody to pat me on the back and say they're there, but I refuse to let go of my bitterness. See, you saw it in Elijah. I'm the only one God who's standing for you. I'm the only one God who's serving you. I'm the, everybody else failed. It's all their fault. He's selfish. What he's asked of God, kill me. Wanted constant sympathy. He's pouting to God. He's holding on to anger, bitterness. You'll not only be perpetually miserable yourself, hear this. You'll rub off on others. You think bitterness only hurts you, you're sadly mistaken. It's contagious. It's terribly contagious. And here's the thing. Because our flesh loves this matter of self-pity. We love the opportunity to be better. Avoid those things. Avoid those things. Let me give you some things to adopt. Adopt a kitten or a puppy from your local ASPCA. Oh, wrong note. Give these to you. I know you've, you've all been so patient tonight. Thank you. I know we've run over just a little bit here. Adopt these terrific attributes. There are four of them. These are great. You need these in your life. I need these in my life. Number one, realize life isn't fair and we make mistakes too. You know what that means? Push your big boy pants on. <laughs> I didn't say that. You went there. Here it is. Here it is. We live in a sin-sick world. Life isn't fair. Life isn't fair. We make mistakes too. Here's what you have to remember. Learn from it. Learn what you can from it. Always. Learn what you can from it. 
let the bad stuff go. Number two, realize you have the freedom to choose your attitude and responses. This is what made the difference in Joseph's life. You know what? Everything about his life was controlled externally, except for his attitude. Except for mm, his choice now of how he would respond. See, I can't control you, but I can control me. That'll help you go a long, long way. Number three, this one is, it's not the biggest one, but it's almost. Realize that the adversary, who, who do we, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but who are our enemies? The world, the flesh, and the devil. Realize the adversary will give you plenty of opportunities to destroy yourself. Oh, yeah. Keep fighting the flesh by walking with God in faith. That brings us to number four. Realize that God is still in control. He's still at work. He still cares for you. He knows what He's doing. Just stay close to Him. Brings us to a question. We're done. Will you be crushed in a victim's mindset? Or will you continue to walk in confidence and courage with the Lord on to coming victory? This world's not my home. I'm just passing through. This light affliction that we suffer is just but a moment. Our life is but a vapor. And we have an eternity, if you're here and saved tonight, an eternity of rest with the Savior. Keep your attitude, keep your focus, walk in faith. Never forget whatever life brings. Whatever life brings. God is bigger. Let's pray tonight.